your faithfulness to the things of God. Amen. Anybody ready for the word today? Praise God. Let's rest on our feet if you don't mind. Get your Bibles, uh, wherever you have the word of God in your tablets, in your phones, wherever it is. Amen. We want to make our confession of faith. Just repeat after me if you would. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I believe God's word. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same after hearing God's word. I am being transformed by the ever-living, uncompromising, never-changing, ever-powerful word of God. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Everybody believing, everybody serving, and everybody giving. Amen. Remain standing. Father, we need your help as always. Thank you. Thank you for this moment. It's always a privilege to stand before your great people. So speak to us. I have nothing to say, but God, you, one word can change the trajectory of all of our lives. So we give you praise. We break up the fallow ground of our own hearts that we might receive the engrafted word of God that is able to save our souls. Thank you so much. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Ephesians chapter number two uh, is where we're going to launch. Three verses there, and then we're going to turn to one verse in the book of James chapter two. The word of the Lord in the New King James Version, starting at verse eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. James chapter 2, one verse in 26 for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So far, the scripture. You may be seated. Amen. Praise God. Again, thank you for joining us today and, and being a part of the family of God here at Destiny. And those of you who are watching uh, through the technology online, thank you for joining us. I believe this could possibly be be one of the most important messages that you will hear in a minute because uh, this is sometimes very confusing and uh, the enemy uses some of these concepts to confuse people. And so we're going to speak out of the Word of God to bring some clarity prayerfully this morning. Uh, so our, our subject today is grace and works, the keys to your salvation. So I want to affirm this. We're going to say it a little bit differently. I want, to, I want us to say this together. Grace and works, the keys to my salvation. One more time. Grace and works, the keys to my salvation. Amen. Thank you. That's great. Uh, it has been said to keep the main thing the main thing. And I've used that adage many, many times over uh, my time of preaching, as well as just reminding myself in life 
that it's important to keep the main thing the main thing. It simply reminds us, listen, to keep our priorities straight. And what I've, uh, what I've learned over the years that uh, when you say that, that might be a little bit more difficult than it seems on the surface. Uh, when you say keep your priorities straight, um, being able to discern what priorities are oftentimes is dependent upon our experiences, is dependent upon our family culture, where we've come from, the things that we've heard, the things that we've been taught, our educational level, all of these things factor into our ability to discern what is a higher priority and a lower priority. Um, over the years, of course, in, in ministry and, and just in life, period, you have people that will come to you with issues and problems, and a lot of the time it has something to do with finance and things like that. And when we talk about priorities, it's the ability to discern what's more important or not. And so, like I said, sometimes depending upon what we've experienced in life, we have a struggle knowing what uh, to prioritize. Let me give you an example. If you are about to be evicted from uh, your apartment, it, it probably is not a good idea to go out and buy a tennis racket. I'm just saying. You might want a tennis racket. You might want something new and whatever is appropriate in your life. I use tennis racket because that should be pretty safe. I, you know, oftentimes I used to use, you know, go out and getting your hair done or getting your nails done. But sometimes that has some collateral benefit because sometimes if you're about, about to be put out, at least you'd be looking good as you go. <laughs> <laughs> but you, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, Lord. What's up? <laughs> but here's the, the important thing is we've got to be able to make decisions based upon the circumstance. And some things are more important than other things. Listen now. Our ability to prioritize is dependent upon how we perceive urgency. Everybody say urgency. Yeah, our eternal destination is always an urgent topic because of its implications. Let's, let's think about this for a moment. We're going to live uh, however many years on this earth, on this planet, but whatever we do here is going to determine where we spend the rest of eternity. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty important. Now, especially if you believe the Bible, because the Bible says you're going to spend eternity one of two places. <laughs> I won't even go into where they are, but you understand uh, that we have a choice based upon what we do here. In reality, we don't always feel the urgency during our everyday activities. So sometimes we've got to remind ourselves. That's why it's good, not hating, but it's good to come to church. It's, it's good to watch the services online. It's good to get in your Bible. It's good to ask the Holy Spirit to help us because we can get caught up in the things of life and forget the main thing. I'm not saying that other things aren't important. I'm saying we got to get the main thing. 
Whether or not I live a wonderful life on earth, whether or not uh, I have a big house and big car, big business, and all of those things are wonderful. I believe in all of that, but that's not the most important thing. What will a man give in exchange uh, for his soul? You can have all that stuff and end up going to hell. So we have got to know and discern what is important. So if going to heaven is important to you, then you must understand how grace and works relate to one another. Your salvation is literally dependent upon you having an understanding of these two concepts. So what is grace? Grace is, traditionally we we hear this, is the undeserved, unmerited favor of God that is imparted to your life. And the most often we hear it's uh, unmerited favor. We've all heard that before probably. Uh, I think that that is certainly true, but I always try to think uh, beyond that because I think grace is not just unmerited favor. I believe the grace of God is the power of God that is directed to an individual's life to give you the ability to do what God has called you to do. Sometimes we can call it the anointing, we can call it the power of God, we can call it the dunamis, all of those things. But the bottom line is, grace gives you the ability to live out your purpose on earth and to please God. You cannot do it without grace. We need this grace. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Listen now, grace does what we cannot do. It is the gift that God gives. It allows God to view us without enmity or hostility. Now, we don't use enmity much. That's a a King James kind of word. Uh, But what it basically means is we can be viewed by God uh, not having any hostility toward us. God, uh, when he looks at his true children, listen, he's not mad. He's, he doesn't view us with hostility. And sometimes we get a skewed view of how God views us. If we listen to certain preachers, we'll think God is mad all the time. We'll think he's just waiting on us. Keith, you, 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 you better. You, what you, what you thinking about? <laughs> Now, now, I'm trying to be a little facetious there, but uh, honestly, uh, some preachers will have you to believe that God is mad all the time. Romans 5 lets us know, therefore, having been justified by faith. Listen now, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Listen, we have peace with God. It's because we've been justified by faith. Now, peace with God is different than the peace of God. 
When, when we get saved, when we, when we get born again, when we accept Jesus as Lord, all of those things, when we, when we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us, listen, we have peace with God. So God's not mad. We've, our relationship is intact at that point. It's all good. But that's a whole lot different than having the peace of God. There's a whole lot of saints, unfortunately, really sad, that a lot of saints have peace with God, but they don't have the peace of God. You can be saved and on your way to heaven and all the way going there be miserable. I'm not saying you should want that. I'm not saying you should pray for that. I'm saying that you should avoid that. If you've got peace with God, you can have the peace of God. Because the peace of God passes all understanding. It means that I can be happy even during a pandemic. I can be glad just because God has told me to do good to my enemies. Yes, I can go skip to Baloo when somebody's talking about me because Jesus told me to do that. And I want to please him. See, it's all about perspective. It's all about being able to see things from the right lens. So, we, listen, we have access to grace by faith. So I need you to really hear me right in here as to what the Word of God is actually telling us. Listen, grace is a gift. Listen now. But it is accessed and affirmed by faith. Are y'all still here? Let's look at the, y- y'all going to get tired of this, but uh, I, I, it's too bad. Okay, uh, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Listen, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Listen, we have been saved by grace through faith. Let's say that together. We have been saved by grace through faith. Let's say it one more time. We have been saved by faith by grace through faith, sorry. So, listen, we've got to understand what causes grace to actually have power in our lives. James 2.26, this is for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. He says also. So it also points back to what he said in the A clause of the verse. The body... Without the spirit is dead. Didn't say the body wasn't there. Said it was dead. Are y'all still here? If we are being saved, listen, if we're being saved by grace through faith, then our faith has to be an active faith. It's got to be a faith that is alive. Faith without works is dead, so dead faith cannot activate grace even if God is giving it as a gift. I, I, I know I expect it to be kind of quiet because I, I know this is pushing some religious buttons, but we, we're, we're talking about the Word of God. You've got to understand how grace is applied to our lives. It takes active faith to receive the grace from God that saves us. This can be confusing because we are not, listen, we are not saved by works. But works, or corresponding action, as I like to say, empower the faith necessary to activate grace. I'm going to say that one more time. We are not saved by works, but works empower the faith necessary to activate grace. 
So which comes first? Listen, grace comes from God, but is received by faith, exercised by all of us individually. Come on, let's, let's track in this. We know our faith is working to receive the grace of God by the corresponding action that proves faith is alive and not dead. Let me break this down for you. Uh, it, when we come to Jesus, uh, he, is, he is giving us his grace. All right? The, the Bible says, for God so loved the world, what? That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him uh, should not perish, but have everlasting life. What does that mean? That means the gift of Jesus has been given. And, and the whosoever, listen, the whosoever includes all of y'all. All of us. So that grace has been given and, and is accessible to every single person. Remember, let's go back again. Uh, verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. What we must guard against is relying on God's grace without activating it in our lives by faith. And let me remind you, listen now, if, if Jesus coming and dying on the cross for our sins was going to save everybody without our response, then we, there would be no need for us to preach the gospel. There would be no need to come to church. Everybody's going to be saved. And we've got some heretics out there preaching that. But the Bible says, whosoever. So it says by faith. So that faith, listen, that faith is activated and kept alive as we walk this out every day, affirming our faith. So it, it, we're not saved by works, but what works affirm that something has happened in our spirit that we know that we belong to God. Are y'all still here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't save us. It proves that we are. You know, that's why we used to sing all them songs. You know, the things that I used to do, I don't do no more. The places I used to go, I don't go no more. Now, here's how this is supposed to work. When Jesus comes in, the Holy Ghost comes in, the power of God comes in. Listen, you should not look like the world any longer. Now, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean we never sin. Uh, it doesn't mean that we live sinless. It just means that you should sin less. Some of y'all get that on the way home. Yeah, if God is in there, you ought to sin less. We've got to walk this thing out. So at the risk of being redundant, I told you I'd get, get tired of this. Here we go again. Verse 8. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We, listen, we don't work to be saved. We work because we have been saved. I've always wondered, I digress, y'all forgive me for this. I always wonder why people don't have more appreciation for their salvation. 
Not, not from, oh, you can't do that no more. Oh, I'm saying now I can't go nowhere. I can't do nothing. It ain't no fun. I can't go. No, no, no. Uh, when I think about what Jesus has done for us, when I think about I'm going to live in eternity with him, when I, when I think about where I would go if I didn't know him, oh, I thank God. I'm telling you, I don't want to go to hell. I want to live with Jesus. I want to live with him the rest of my days. Come on now. Uh, I want to be appreciative of what God has done for me because it had very little to do with me. It's not that I was so good, not that I was so holy, not that I'm living so right. It's because of his grace. It's his mercy. But I can't get it without faith. Are y'all, y'all still tracking with me? It's not automatic. We've got to exercise our faith. Romans 6 says this in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it. Now, this is the New King James Version. You know, I'm old enough. The, the traditional King James is what I, is in my brain. And, and sometimes the traditional King James is more anointed than some of these other translations. I'm just saying. So this says certainly not. Uh, I think we ought to go back to the traditional King James and say, God forbid. <laughs> God forbid that we come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, listen now, and just live like the devil. In other words, just because grace will forgive us, grace will cover us, we give him something to cover, we just go ahead and live like the devil. The devil is a lie, like his mother-in-law. Come on here. We got to do what we got to do to live according to what God has done on the inside of us. So we're not trying to work to deserve heaven, work to deserve salvation. No, 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 no. There's not enough work you can do. Uh, But because of what Jesus has done, because of the price that was paid, it's, uh, listen, Romans 12, help us, it's our reasonable service. Uh, That's why we put up with stuff. That's why I love folks that, that are not lovable. Oh, y'all don't know none of them? Uh, That's why I bless people when they curse at me. That's why I keep my mouth shut and keep a a nice, calm demeanor when I'm talking to the customer service representatives. You know what? It takes the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes, it does. And so there's an incentive. There's a, there's a reason why we put up with stuff. There's a reason why Jesus said, love your enemies. Come on here. It's not natural. It's not normal. But we do this because God has come on the inside of us, and we use our faith to receive the grace of God. Right, let me give you an example. Uh, here's how grace works. God speaks to one of y'all to give me a million dollars. <laughs> I ain't talking about speaking about y'all. I'm talking about me. All right. So uh, he, he, he speaks and you all hear him. And it doesn't end there. You got enough money to actually make it happen. Okay. So 
you obey God and you find out, whatever means, uh, what my bank account number is. All you had to do is ask me, I will tell you. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it's messing up my story. So they find out, you go to the bank, put, you make a deposit in the bank uh, under William Keith O'Neill. It is in my account. That's the grace of God manifested. It's sitting right there with my name on it. But you know what? I can't access it unless I go to the bank and make a withdrawal. And you know what? I got to have the right number. Got to have the access. I don't know about y'all. Anybody ever went to the ATM and your PIN number had changed or something got wrong and you can start putting in numbers and it's, it, it, it's, it's, it keeps asking the same question? That's a bad sign. It's like, you <laughs> it's like, dee doo dee doo. <laughs> and it's, it says, please enter your, your, your pin number. It's like, look, this is the third time. You better give me some money out of here in a minute. <laughs> Something is not right. Something is amiss. What I'm saying here is, God gave uh, Jesus as a gift. Listen to me now. The gift has been given whether you receive or not. That, that, that goes back to the whosoever. Anybody can receive, anybody can access Jesus, but you got to access him by faith. And it's not just a one-time access. It's not just a one-time faith. Listen now, you got to continue to access because grace has to continue to apply to your life. I don't know about you, but I need grace every day, every hour. Oh, we used to sing that song, I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. That's my prayer, because I know I need him. But I use my faith to access that grace. Now think about it now. Grace and works work together. Listen, works or corresponding actions affirm our faith. Listen now. Affirming our faith should accompany our receipt of the grace of God, which produces our salvation. Let me remind us. <laughs> We're not always saved yet. We're still here. We are saved and being saved. Immediately sanctified and being sanctified as we walk this thing out. Now, when we get to heaven, when we stand before him at the end of all things and he says, well done, that's when we're saved. That's when we're completely saved. Are y'all still here? So grace and works go together as the keys to our eternal salvation. It's not either or. 
You know, some scholars and some people who are observers and, and searchers and teachers, uh, they're saying, well, it seems like a conflict. Come on, uh, music came. It seems like a conflict of interest. It seems like James and Paul are kind of saying different thing, you know. Uh, you know, Paul said in Ephesians, by grace are you saved through faith, not of works that's in the mansion bowls. And he talked about that. And then James says, listen, you're basically, I didn't read it all. Uh, you read that context. He says, basically, you're saved by works. And what he means by that is the faith that you exercise to receive the grace of God has to have corresponding action or it is dead. I.e., faith without works is dead. So what's the point? The point is walk with God. God, listen, God gives grace We receive by faith, and works prove that our faith is efficacious, is effective. So, if you say that Jesus is the Lord of your life, then your lifestyle should affirm that. The way you talk should point to the fact that you know the God of the universe. Scriptural, listen now, scriptural grace doesn't seem to work while willful sin is being continually practiced. Now see, this, this is pushing buttons, I get it. I'm going to give you a scripture here in a, in a second. We have to understand that the grace of God and how it applies to a human being, how it applies to a life. Listen, come on now. It, it's not universally given without our response. I, I, used, to, I used to have what's, what I always call um, false humility, really. And I think it was false. Because as a pastor and as a leader, and you know, every now and then God will prompt people to bless you with stuff. They'll, you know, it's happened in the last couple of weeks. Somebody will shake some money in my hand and say, hey, I'm going to take you. I want to pay for your dinner today or whatever. You know, all the different things have happened over the years. Um, some at all different kinds of levels. And back before I had any sense, <laughs> I was operating in false humility. I would say something like, Oh, no, that's all right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Nah, it's okay. Foolish. Oh, foolish Galatian. <laughs> foolish, foolish. That's false humility. You know why? Listen, God wants to bless the giver. God wants to bless the blesser. Imagine, listen, imagine how painful it is to Jesus. To know that he has given his life, the price that he paid to save human beings, and we won't receive it. That gift goes unappreciated and ineffective in your life if you don't receive the grace of God. So, I got delivered. (laughs) Hallelujah. And so now, all that false humility is gone. So when people bless me, and, and, and hey, I want to bless you, Panther, you know what I say? Thank you. 
Appreciate it. God bless you. May the Lord be upon you. Make sure you obey him when he speaks to you. (laughs) None of that foolishness. And I believe, just imagine, come on now. I, I know God is God. But just imagine how it hurts him to know that some of his creation, just because of their refusal to receive the gift, will end up in hell. Hell was not created for humans. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. So he takes no pleasure in anybody perishing. That's what the Bible says. He doesn't wish for anyone to perish, but for all to come to the knowledge of the truth. So I'm saying today, receive the grace of God. How do you receive it? By faith. And when that grace hits your life, walk it out. Live as close to God. Don't live as close to the fence as you possibly can because you don't really know where the fence is. Only God knows where our heart is. Listen now. The continual, willful practice of sin is not the effective works necessary to receive grace. Hebrews 10, and we're done, starting in verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. What does that mean? Pastor, what are you talking about? not how I've ever heard it. That's right out of the text. Here's what it means. If you willfully have a practice of sin, you live a lifestyle of sin, even after you've been born again, listen, those sins don't get covered by the grace of God. There's there's no more sacrifice. What's the sacrifice? Jesus is the sacrifice. The Bible says there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. It's pretty plain. So sometimes we think, well, if I get born again, then I'm automatically going to be saved in the end. No, you got to do more than that. Because there were some children of Israel, read your Bible, the children of Israel that drew back in unbelief, those people died away from God they were legitimately the children of God but they perished because of their unbelief and their unwillingness to remain faithful in their belief in him here's what I want you to understand today that we have got to walk this thing out there is a doctrine again I've said it a few times in this series and I believe it's why God prompted me to go here. I don't even like the phrase because it's almost offensive to say it but listen, once saved, always saved is a demonic heresy. Because what it infers is that at some point in time 
you can confess Jesus and forget all about him, live your life for the devil, do whatever you want to do, and that one transaction is enough grace and enough faith exercise to take you to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you willfully sin, that means make a practice of it. Yes, all of us sin. All of us fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect, including the pastor. Probably especially the pastor. No, none of us are, 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 are perfect, but listen, we ought to be doing all that we can to live for him, to bless him, to live according to this word. Because only God knows our heart. So this song is the prophetic song for the day. Let's rest on our feet. Our response has to be hallelujah to the things of God. So listen, listen. It's not hard to be saved. The Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. It's not difficult to be saved. You just got to make your mind up that you want Jesus and not the devil. If you want him, then you won't do the things that hurt his heart. I, I've said many times, my father is will turn 82 next month. He's, he's always been an athletic guy, but but you know, he's he's in the elder. It's hard for me to really grasp that my dad is elderly. You know how you think about your father? You, your mind puts him back when they were virile and strong, 6'1, 220, strong and fast and athletic and all that stuff. Well, you know what? If I can't whoop him, I can outrun him now. So me, me not wanting to dishonor him has nothing to do with my fear of him. It's I don't want to disappoint him. That's how we should look at our God. Now that we've come to the knowledge of the truth, we don't want to just live any kind of way. We don't want to just do what the world does. We want to stay the faithfulness of God so that that faith can cause grace to overshadow our lives. So I want to pray. We're going to sing our way on out, but I want to pray for all of us because in these last days, there's all kinds of doctrines of devils that's out there. And we've got to know the difference and what the world is saying and what God's word says. So I want to pray. Father, thank you for this moment, for this time. Thank you for your faithfulness to call us out of darkness into light. You always make the first move. Thank you that we're not the uh, missionary. You are the missionary. You were looking for us. We weren't looking for you. You were looking for us. So help my friends today. Help this, this revelation get down in our spirits to know that we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We must keep the main thing, the main thing. We must have a sense of urgency to be in a hurry doing your will, being about your business. So I pray for my friends, those that are here, those that are online, those that will hear the replay. Touch us. That that grace that has been applied to our lives, that it will carry us through to the end. Our desire is to please you. Our desire is to see your face in peace. So help us to make this song true in our lives. You rescued our lives. 
You saved us. You delivered us. And we are not going back. We're not going to backslide. We're not going to forget the labor of love that you worked upon our lives. So thank you for your grace. We know we didn't deserve it. We know we can't do anything to merit what you've done for us. So I pray for my friends that we will stick with you until the end. And those that are listening to me, listen, you can be born again at any time. So God, touch every person, every family, every life that's watching now in the name of Jesus. Draw them by your spirit. Help them to know that now is the day of salvation. Today is the day. So we thank you for all that you've done, for loving us when we didn't deserve it. Thank you so much that your word declares over us that we're blessed coming in, blessed going out. Everything in our financial arena is blessed. We thank you, Father, that our health springs forth speedily. Our children are blessed to a thousand generations. Whatever our hands touch, it prospers in Jesus' name. Thank you for the grace of God. Help us to receive. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Come on.